Welcome to episode 555 of the Eventing Radio Show, brought to you by the Eventing Riders Association of North America. That's right, folks, you heard it right. It's all the fives, 555 shows. That's quite impressive, isn't it? This week on the show, it is super impressive. We speak to Russell Mueller of Pro Elite Feeds. We also have a European champion on the line. We have a New Zealand rider on the line and an Australian rider on the line. It's very, very interesting this week. This is Paul Tapner hosting today's show. And uh, I've lost my co-host, Liz. She's not with me today, so it's just me. But uh, as I said in the opener, we've got a fantastic show for you. Um, and I promised you a European champion. And straight up, straight in there, our first guest is exactly that. Uh, it is a European pony champion and recently crowned such from the uh, recent pony European championships and eventing. We have Finn Healy on the line. Finn, welcome to the Eventing Radio Show. Thank you very much. Now, Finn, uh, have you been inspired today? Because I'm just going to set the scene for our listeners here. Today is the uh, European Championships for all the seniors. So uh, we've seen all of the uh, European teams battling it out at Le Moulin on the cross country there today. Been plenty of people uh, glued to their TV sets and their uh, iPads and the likes watching it. Uh, were you inspired by that watching that as well and thinking that that might be you one day given that your recent success uh, yeah no absolutely we've been sat at the tv watching it i've been at ben hobdays watching it uh and uh yeah it was incredibly inspiring and uh hopefully so, so one day that's the plan Get you, you'll be on there and uh, inspiring the next generation as well. So um, uh, you mentioned there Ben Hobday. So uh, did you have a bit of a, a, a watch party there or something? Uh, no, I've come up to Ben and Emma's for a few days training uh, at his yard, uh, which he very kindly offers me. And it's it's a great experience and I'll learn a lot while I'm here. Very good. And uh, so tell our listeners um, a, a little bit about yourself because you've suddenly come into the limelight as a double gold medalist. Uh, not only did you win individual gold at these Pony European Championships, but also uh, Team GB, your teammates, did their bit as well and got you a second gold medal. So um, just tell our listeners a little bit because uh, they're not all uh, 100% um, familiar with the, the ponies because we have a lot of Australians and a lot of um, American listeners. So how old are you, Finn? Uh, I'm 15. And so presumably that means you're still at school? Uh, yeah, unfortunately. And just, just <laughs> unfortunately, desperate to get out and be a full-time rider, I, yeah. I'm going to hazard a guess. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you, you have how many ponies or how many horses? Uh, so I only have the one, uh, Casper. Uh, midnight dancer that I went to the Europeans on uh, and we've had him since a four-year-old uh, my sister produced him uh, up to the Pony Europeans last year where where she won team gold on him and then I took over the ride on him in November and uh, yeah no it's we gel we gelled reasonably quickly he's quite a sensitive pony and uh, so it took a bit of time in that uh, respect but then he uh yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind of a season with all the trials because I never expected to do as well as the trials as I did, never mind at the Europeans. So uh, so that's a pretty impressive story. So your sister rode the horse before you. So uh, how yeah. old is your sister? 
Uh, she's 17, so she went out of ponies last year. And so, yeah, no, she did all the hard work with him, to be honest. Uh, and she's remained the owner. Uh, That's very impressive. So it's a, a real family affair then. And uh, like you said, you had the horse since a four-year-old. So uh, it, it, you've, your sister, like you said, has done all the hard work. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you've done a little bit along the way there as well, though. Uh, does that mean uh, you, you you felt pressure from your sister, you know, or did or did she help you or train you or how does that work? Uh, no, she's been very supportive. Uh, she's always wanted the best for me and Casper because she loves the pony so much. It's um, yeah, no, he's very special to all of the family, really. And now you mentioned all of the family. So uh, your sister rides, you ride. Uh, anybody else? How, how many other more medalists and superstars are there in the family? Uh, well, my mum, my mum rode up to old three star. Um, and she's really been the knowledgeable person in our family, guiding us and training us. Um, and my dad, my dad, uh, he plays golf, but he's also extremely supportive. <laughs> I like that. He plays golf, but he's just, he, he's supportive of the ponies rather than, he, he's not trying to yeah. ride anything. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> Prefers the golf, the, the golf than the uh, horses. I, I think he's a very wise man. So, um, <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your your um, your journey with your horse, your pony this year, um, and explain to our listeners how this pony system works. Because, like I say, we have a lot of Australasian, a lot of American uh, listeners that don't necessarily understand the ponies. Um, you, you have to do some pony trials, and uh, presumably you have to get selected. And and I, I think there was uh, maybe a national championships you have to do as well. Uh, yeah, so there's a set of trials from March. Uh, to the end or start of June and uh, then so it's a build up over time they start off at Novice then the first uh, two star is at Withington Manor uh, at the end of April and then from there you go to Brand Hall which is the British National Pony Championships and then uh, following then if you've done well at the trials uh, they you go onto a long list uh, which uh, is about 12 riders. Um, and then you go to the final trial, which was at Tweedledown this year. And from there, they select the six uh, to go to the Europeans. So you, you knew you were going to be one of those six riders uh, at what point, straight after Tweedledown? Uh, a couple of days. Yeah, a couple of days after you get the phone call and then it's announced. It's announced. And then uh, did you probably. know straight away then that you were on the team? Because it's obviously not a team of six. Uh, no, you, we wait till after trot up at the Europeans to uh, announce the team. So you have six of you go, and uh, you all travelled out to Stregem in Poland. Now, uh, again, for some of our listeners who are not familiar, it's, it's quite a hike, isn't it? You know, that would have been quite an adventure. Yeah. Have you, have you travelled at that internationally with your, your horses before? No, it was my uh, first international event, um, and it was the ponies' first international event as well. And uh, but yeah, no, it was it was quite a trek for them. It was three days, three days driving for them. And how did you guys go? Did you go in the truck with them, or were, were you uh, life of luxury in a in a plane? No, we were life of luxury in a plane. <laughs> 
got spoilt. Yeah, the proper uh, royal treatment there then for the proper GBR team members. Uh, and you, you turn up and so then you had to do your trot up, uh, but you still didn't know whether you're on the team or not or competing it as an individual until after you've trotted up. So presumably you've walked the course and all sorts of things by then. Yeah, yeah. It's very much a squad of six. You're all, everybody uh, has roles. Uh, and the individual's feedback to the team members on the country and like are just as important as the team members are, and it's it's definitely as a squad of six, not a team of four. Fantastic! So it must have been a a good thrill to get on that team. And uh, did how did the competition go? Were you, were you in the lead all the way from the start to finish? No. Um. Well, after the three days travelling, we did some light schooling for the days leading up to the dressage uh, and a more. And I was on the Friday dressage because I was third to go for the team. Uh, and it, I felt like he was going as the best he's ever gone. So I was, I was quite excited for it. Uh, and he pulled off a solid test. Uh, there was one mistake in his walk. However, uh, he kept his head quite well, as that can be his letdown. Um, uh, and, yeah, he um, we were in 10th going into cross country. Uh, so I was really pleased with that. And he... He flew around the cross country inside the time. It was it wasn't as big as the trials, uh, I'd say in England. However, it was very technical, and um, it proved that with the results, and it certainly uh, stirred up the pack a little bit. And that put us in sixth going into show jumping. And I always dreamt that if I if I jump clear show jumping, I might be in with a chance of a bronze medal. But then I never imagined it to be a gold. And he jumped clear and from then on a bit of a blur to be honest uh, a whirlwind <laughs> of emotions and it was just great great to be a part of and for the team to win gold as well to experience such a such a great thing together was was amazing indeed that does sound exciting and there's nothing better than rising up the the rankings as an event rider you know starting off in 10th after dressage up to six and then a, a meteoric rise up to a, a gold medal position with a clear show jumping round. so presumably that means you finished on your dressage score and that's always the ultimate aim of every event rider get a good dressage finish on that dressage score which you did and then win the gold medal so you've got to be super happy with that and very impressive so uh i'd have to say congratulations there mate and uh and then the team so what about the team were they in gold medal position all the way through yeah um we were it was close i think with us and the germans after dressage uh however we pulled away after cross country and we um we had quite a sizable gap going into show jumping and from that we extended it and we won by 18.2 penalties I think around there so we won by quite a big margin which uh, which was amazing as well it was it was yeah no incredible and the team really deserved it everyone had worked so hard throughout the whole se- season for it and, and it was great to be a part of well, sounds fantastic as well. Now, you did mention you're up there training with Mr. Hobday, uh, getting and, and, and mentioned that you're a little bit upset about having to go back to school because, you know, there's, that has to be done. So I, I, I'm sensing the plan is, you know, get out of school and, and become a pro event rider or something of the kind. Would, would that be about it or are you going to go down race riding or something else? No, well, I'd love to try and make it as an event rider. However, I will, I will stay at school and do my A-levels and make sure I have a backup plan as uh, I think that's important. Uh, however, yeah, it would, it is the dream and 
hopefully it can become a reality one day uh, to become a professional event rider. Um, so yeah, and then we'll just we'll just have to see how things go. <laughs> well, I'm sure uh, it won't be for a lack of uh, trying ambition and, by the sounds of it, skill. So, Finn, thank you for coming on the Eventing Radio Show. Now, um, are you on any sort of social media that's public for people to follow you? Do you have a, a, a public Facebook page or an Instagram page, you know, so that people can follow your progress uh, up through and in, in perhaps into this uh, career? Uh, yeah, I've got an Instagram uh, page, which is Finn Healy Eventing. Um, and yeah, I'm active on that and it's open for anybody to follow. All right. So I'm going to ask you those, you know, really bad questions. How many followers did you have pre your gold medals? Well, I gained, uh, I had 5,000, I think. And then I gained 3,000 on the final day. Uh, after it so i'm now on about eight and a half thousand that's pretty impressive i I don't know that being on the eventing radio show is going to get you up to ten thousand but clearly that's probably going to be the next milestone you're looking for but uh anybody who's listening who's on instagram give finn healy a bit of a follow there and we'll see if we can bump him up to that ten thousand finn thanks for coming on the eventing radio show and i look forward to uh seeing your progress thank you very much The Eventing Riders Association of North America is the collective voice of riders, equine professionals, and owners in pursuit of enhancing the growing sport of eventing in North America. In cooperation with our members, governing bodies, related committees, and organizers, ERA of NA works to improve the overall welfare, safety, visibility, and growth of the sport. ERA of NA, your voice matters for the sport of eventing. Jump in and engage by becoming a member today. Find them online at www.eraofna.com. Now, listeners, you will be aware that every time we have a guest on the show, we're always asking them for their social media handles, and we want encourage you to follow them so you can follow their progress. And we always say we want to follow the progress of our guests. Now, I've got on the show now a guest which we did speak to earlier this year after she had a fantastic win at Gatcom uh, in the United Kingdom. And we say, you know, oh, follow this person, follow this person, see how they're going. Well, I'm telling you what, I I'm very, very happy to have New Zealand writer Lucy Jackson back on the line with us because I have been following her progress and she's been amazing since we spoke to her. So, Lucy, welcome back to the Eventing Radio Show. Thank you very much. I nearly wonder whether you should charge us a premium for appearing on your show if that's the effect you have on our course. Well, I wish it was my effect, Lucy. You know, if I, if I could claim uh, just speaking to you for 10 or 15 minutes on the eventing radio show was going to uh, make you win all these accolades, then uh, I, I think I'd be a wealthy man, you know, considering how much you, you, most people pay for training. It's, it's an interesting type of training fee, isn't it? You might be it's onto the, something, Lucy. It's oh. the difference I was searching for, Tappy. <laughs> And I don't think I believe a single word that just came out of your mouth. But, Lucy, you have been absolutely on fire. Now, I'll just remind our guests, we spoke to you back at the beginning of April and having just won with your fantastic horse, Superstition, you just won the Gatcom um, uh, Advanced Intermediate, the top class of that weekend. And you're pretty happy, pretty pretty stoked with your, your favourite pony. And um, you then 
went on not much longer, uh, you know, the next month, to have an amazing result in the Event Rider Masters at Chatsworth, the opening leg of the 2019 Event Rider Masters series. Boom, up there on the podium, third place. So, um, I mean, that must have been pretty amazing. That was seriously amazing. Um, I think that was my... I said it was my first podium. It was definitely my first ERM podium, having only ever done one ERM before and placed 11th. Um, it was, I had actually had a couple of ribbons at international level, but it was, it was certainly the most money I'd ever won. And that was hugely exciting. And it was a, the most competitive class I'd probably been part of. So that was exciting. Indeed. It was super exciting. And it always is on the Event Rider Masters. And Event Rider Masters is run over the short course. Now, not everybody focuses every horse on short courses. A lot of people still use the short course um, competitions to prepare for the long courses, which is what our whole sport is designed about. We do have short course specialist horses, which just focus on the likes of the Masters and the Nations Cups and things like that. But you were definitely using Chatsworth as a preparation for your next long course, uh, and you did that at Bramham. So you went to Bramham International, the four-star long course, uh, and you know I think you did pretty well there as well. I think that was your horse's first long four-star? It was, yes, and he did brilliantly. He came fifth, uh, finishing on his dressage, um, and at just a 10-year-old, I think that's probably no mean feat. And I think only three others um at that show or four others at that show um pulled that off so um why didn't i win i didn't get a better dress off score but he did <laughs> as brilliantly as he could on the saturday and the sunday so be pretty happy with that well we've just been speaking uh, to finn healy who's our, our our current pony european double gold medalist and we were just saying that he finished on his dressage score to win that and if you finish on your dressage you want to really jump up those rankings so although you may not have might not have won by finishing on your dressage and that might have motivated you to get some more dressage training you certainly would have shot up the ranks especially like you said there's only you know less than half a dozen people managed to do that so after dressage you've got any idea where you were i mean it was a big field i imagine about 100 or so at bramham i that's embarrassing i don't i don't know i think i was 11th after the dressage at chatsworth and moved up to fourth with the show jumping in third with the cross country um but let me think now bramham no that's in the too hard basket sorry too too long ago (laughs) yeah I, i wasn't where i wanted to be put it that way is that a good enough it is a good enough. I wouldn't remember the exact numbers, but <laughs> I, I would have thought that you probably, uh, after the dressage phase, weren't necessarily in the top 10. No. Definitely not. There you go. But then by finishing on the dressage, shot up there into the fifth place at Bramham, which which is a very, very credible um, result, like you say, for a 10-year-old horse, for a long star, four star. Um, so, you know, just been going fantastic. And then recently... You've been going even better because you've you've graced Event Rider Masters with your presence again. So back out we go. You know, hungry for another podium. You've proven you can do it at the opening leg in Chatsworth. And uh, going to Mill Street in Ireland, the first Irish leg of the Event Rider Masters. And um, did you manage to finish on your dressage score again? Stop it. I know. And I actually won. It there we go. It took 41 <laughs> years to win an international. And I've finally done it. And what a day to do it. I was actually part of the podcast in the predictions for Mill Street. And 
it was a pretty awe-inspiring field. You know, it was a real who's who of eventing. I think there were four of the world's top five riders in our class. So I didn't go there with any sort of pretense that I was going to feature in the favourite. Uh, I just went there with a very, very, very nice horse who was in very good form. It's a brilliant pl- event. It's a brilliant course. It's a really cool I mean, it's obviously a seriously cool class to be part of, but it has its own pressures with, you know, the the cool kids at large. So um, I was extremely chuffed with Superstition's victory there. Indeed. And um, you, it was great to see um, that you were so open about that. And it was great to see you, you know, having a, a, a real emotional time about winning, about getting on that podium and really enjoying yourself. I mean, it was clear to all how much it meant to you <laughs> and that you were very happy about the fact that uh, you just won an, an event rider master's class. So, uh, I mean, congratulations. And that was great for all of the spectators and all of your, your fellow riders to see, you know, it's, it's awesome when, when things like that happen. And like you said, it was the who's who. It was an amazing field of riders. You know, the the quality of field that was there in terms of the horses and the riders um, was second to none in terms of Event Rider Masters history. It was very much so a very, very strong field. Now, tell us, is that ERM class, you know, you, you went to Chat- Chatsworth, podiumed on the, on the Masters there, and then went and did a, a long uh, four-star at Bremer. Is this another prep run for another long star, a long long course, rather? It is. That was the original plan, is to go from Mill Street to Blenheim. Um, and I had a little sort of flirtation after Mill Street with, should I ditch Blenheim and go to Linear? And um, it's hugely tempting. People say, you know, it's not about the money. We do it for the love of the sport. But I tell you what, the money helps. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> But for, for someone like me to, to to be in line to win a prize like I won at Mill Street is just off the scale exciting. I'm super lucky. I've got massively supportive owners and I get to share that check. And that is a huge, huge, huge deal. Um, so I'm 90% sure I should stick to my plan. I, I, I've got a pretty firm eye on uh, a big, important event next summer. And I think in terms of Olympic selection, I need to be proving myself in the long format as well as the short format. So um, I think it's a flirtation and I don't think it's going to go any further, but I am not going to say no, because as I say, wowie, you know, this event rider masters has basically revolutionized our sport and it's the way surely it's got to go. So that, (laughs) you know, it is hard going and it is pretty sensational to be part of, uh, of something like that. Not, not only the, the, the money obviously is, groundbreaking really for, for for us and for me and and my my poor dad hasn't been very well so for him to be part of the the action from from his his uh from home in england while we were away in ireland was a huge 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 deal and and you know it is a team sport and it's it there's an amazing quotation by steve redgrave who won all the olympic medals in rowing and he said you can aspire alone but it takes a team to achieve so to to, to have a, such a great gang behind me, but for them all to be able to be part of it, thanks to the televised, um, you know, of the ERM, it's just unreal. It's so cool. Well, 
Lucy, I would, you know, like to say thank you for putting that so eloquently because, um, you know, Event Rider Masters is, is like you say, freely available uh, for everybody to watch and get involved in. Uh, and like you say, it's created a bit of a dilemma for yourself. Are you going to focus on those long, those long formats and go to Blenheim, and then possibly that might be a, 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 a ticket to, to, to um, some little party um, with some Olympic rings attached to it next year, uh, or? <laughs> Or, uh, you know, you might go to another Event Rider Masters and the, the finale, nonetheless, in, in Linear. And, you, oh, you know, there's another long course after that. You could go to Bukalo or something more exciting like that. Um, it's so, uh, it's first, first world problems. We all know we don't get to make these choices very often. The courses, <laughs> they tend to make the choices for us. And um, to, to, to have a horse of that calibre with owners that are that supportive and, that, you know, my family right behind me, it's all pretty magical stuff. And it, it, it's... It is hard earned, um, and I, I, I'm, I think that's what makes it so much cooler is that you're so aware of the other flip side of the coin um, that, that when it does go your way, I'm, I'm still on cloud nine and I don't intend to get off for a while. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic. And I just want to, uh, you know, indulge our listeners a little bit in the bit of a juxtaposition of the two guests I've just had on. So I've just been speaking to um, uh, Finn Healy, who is all of 15 years of age and won two gold medals. And I know that's not that's going to make us us oldies, you know, you and I a little bit sick to the, at the age and the, and the success <laughs> he's already had. <laughs> But like you, you just alluded to it then, Lucy, about that, you know, what you're achieving now has come from an awful lot of hard work and an awful lot of support. And I know you're never supposed to ask somebody how old they are, especially a, a, a lady a, a, um, and all that sort of thing. But can you give us a hint at how long you've been eventing for or, or what your age is or something like that? Well, I did say it's taken me 41 years to win a red rosette. And I really, really, really hope it doesn't take me another 41 to win the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I've got, I've, it does help but i've just got to tell our listeners you've not been eventing for 41 years so uh, no, near on near on no i did have a 10 10 year gap to go to new zealand and be a physiotherapist and that was with humans not horses but um it's just it's an itch you've got to scratch isn't it it's such an addictive sport and then you spend a lot of your life telling yourself why it's a terrible thing to be involved in and why there are much easier ways to make money and then you get one high and it's it it feels like it makes up for it all and inspires you to keep kicking well i'm glad you are inspired to keep kicking and i'm going to keep kicking our listeners to keep following your progress because like i said it's fantastic i'm super happy to have been able to have you back on the show um we 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 don't always get you know guests on the show quite as often as 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 what we uh, are you with yourself but i'm hoping in another couple of months time after you've gone and win blenheim or bucolo or or linear or all of the three of those all three (laughs) that we we might get you back on the show at the end of the season as well so lucy um uh, quickly sell yourself to the world on instagram on facebook i'm hopeless lucy jackson on facebook uh no instagram um no website um but hopefully it's a name you'll hear a bit more of most definitely lucy thanks for being on the eventing radio show thank you for having me introducing our new ultra premium horse feed designed to deliver the competitive edge your horses need to stand above the rest. Our formulas are infused with a special blend of ingredients specifically developed to help maximize performance, support stamina, and maintain overall condition and appearance. When your horse's health and performance matter most, you want Pro Elite Feeds. 
Joining us now on the Eventing Radio Show is Russell Mueller from Pro Elite Horse Feeds. Russell, welcome to the Eventing Radio Show. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure. Now, Russell, uh, I'm very keen to find out about your range uh, because looking at your website here, proelitehorsefeed.com, and it looks like you have put an enormous amount of effort into making these feeds um, really scientifically beneficial for our horses. So what's the whole ethos behind Pro Elite? Yeah, we, we spent a lot of time and effort, Paul, to really build the Pro Elite, the Pro Elite feed line to encompass the the best of the best and that's where the tagline comes from there can only be one best but we do have five feeds growth performance senior starch wise and calorie wise that are feeds that are fed in a you know a five to six pound a day range for a thousand pound horse obviously based on the body type or what they're doing with that horse whether it's growth or performance or an older horse for our senior feeds and then we have four products that are in that supplement or top dress category they're the advantage line we have grass and alfalfa advantage that are top dresses that complement a forage type grass or alfalfa hay and then we have top line advantage which is a really focused around amino acids to build the horse's top line and muscle recovery and then we have omega advantage which is a fat supplement to add calories to the diet the 24 percent fat but you add it on top any of those four products you add them on top of say, the pro-elite growth, the pro-elite performance of the pro-elite senior. Pro-elite and, and your tagline, there can only be one best. Is it only the really super competitive uh, elite level horses that you're aiming to look after, or is it the whole range of horses? Oh, I think it's the whole range of horses. I mean, it, it's really based on that horse owner and what benefit they want to bring for their horse. Obviously, the, the super competitive, super elite, you know, will get the most benefit out of what we're putting into pro elite, you know, especially like the pro elite performance with the, with the fat levels and the amino acid levels to really drive calorie sourcing and performance from, you know, from an amino acid side from muscle recovery. But you know, there, there's horse owners out there that they may not even be competing, but they're going to buy the best. And, and that's what pro elite is really targeting after is that horse owner that's going to buy the best feed they can for their horses, whether they're competing or not. It's really what they want. And you've already said uh, that, that key word a few times, amino acids. So when we're talking about all of these intricate details of the feeding, you said fats and amino acids and starches, that's the key that you build these products around? I mean, uh, are they very descriptive in their their, um, their their product is telling us who the, the feed is based for, you know, what the purpose of it is and, and how that uh, amino acids and starch mix together? Yep. Yeah. The you know, when we'll just focus on the performance horse in, in kind of talking about amino acids, but the muscles of the horse, um, you know, that drive performance, allow for collection, allow for anything that we're asking that horse to do. The muscle is the muscle is the engine uh, and muscle is built from amino acids. Seventy two percent of muscle is amino acid. So as as people go out and perform and train and compete on their horses that muscle needs to be repaired and rebuilt and that's what the amino acids in the diet do the horse has to take amino acids in through the diet there's 10 essential amino acids that have to be eaten on a daily basis to repair that muscle and so when we're going out and and really looking for ultimate 
performance and ultimate speed and recovery from our performance horses that those amino acids are what allow that muscle to repair itself and really be fully functioning. The calories, whether it's fat or starches and sugars, is the fuel. That's like gasoline for a car. That's really the fuel that drives the performance. Both of those are going to be required for top-level performance for any discipline. Indeed. And so you, I noticed that, you you know, along with this tagline, it, it can only be one best. You mentioned something about the guaranteed analysis. So you're very, very particular at your company about making sure that your feeds are giving the right levels of amino acids and starch and fats like you've just talked about. Within our organization, we have one of the world's largest databases of ingredients and the nutrient contents that make up those ingredients. So, you know, when we look at oats or beet pulp or, you know, soybeans, what are the specific nutrient levels of those? We test those on a very regular basis and build that into our library, actually from worldwide. And that allows us to be very precise in the nutrient uh, guarantees, amino acids, starch and sugar, fats, to make sure we're meeting those levels. But we only do it from the specific ingredients that we list on the the, the tags of, of Pro Elite, and that's what we call nutrition lock formulas. We're only supplying it through the ingredients that we've we've told people that we're supplying it to, but we're always making sure we're meeting that nutritional need because the nutrients are really what drive the performance and the result in the horse. Indeed. If they're not getting the right nutrients, like you said, those muscles are not going to do what we're asking them to do on Correct. a daily basis Correct. as a competition horse, as well as then just a riding horse. You know, any any type of horse is is definitely going to need uh, the correct nutritional uh, inputs going in there. You know, there's lots of trendy words around prebiotics and probiotics and all that sort of thing. So you mentioned your range is not only the the, the core feeding range, but you do supplements. And I think you have a little bit of a different take from other feed companies on a, on a traditional supplement. We do. When we're using the you know, say the top line advantage or the omega advantage or grass and alfalfa advantage, you know, you're you're adding that in the, you know, on top dressing on some other product by and large, but all those products have incredibly high levels of probiotics. Probiotics are the live bacteria, you know, lactobacillus, bacillus subtilis, all those good bacteria that live in the horse's gut on a regular basis and we're just feeding we're feeding more of those to the horse through the feeds and the the grass advantage alfalfa advantage those four kind of supplement top dresses are just super concentrated in in those probiotics that we can when you add it in on top plus we add two forms of prebiotic so a prebiotic shows up on a tag as yeast culture and prebiotics are food for the probiotics or the microbes that are already existing in the gut. So they're, they just maintain a healthy environment within the gastrointestinal tract so those microbes are, have a food source to remain viable around. So they're fully functioning. They're fully fed with the prebiotics, but we're really focused on those levels right now where we're at with the prolate line overall. We have some of the highest level of pre and probiotics in the industry. Well, it certainly sounds like you guys are, are going to the, uh, the very in-depth detail to make sure that your horse feeds are 
provide all of the correct nutritional uh, um, requirements for all of our horses. So it's been great talking to you, Russell. Now, um, your uh, product is available throughout the USA. We are US-based. We don't have anything out of the outside of the US, and we are in the process of an expansion nationwide. So if you any of your listeners are coming to the U.S. along the East Coast, where a lot of international competitions are, say Wellington or up in New York. The distribution is very strong there, really, on the eastern third of the U.S. We recently have started an expansion westward into the central and western part of the U.S., and that's going incredibly well. So I would say within the next three to six months, we will have distribution within the U.S. coast to coast. Nothing international outside the U.S. borders as of yet. It's being considered, but uh, right now we're U.S.-based. So uh, anybody in the U.S. who wants to uh, find out more about your feed and indeed get some through their local supplier, if they go to proelitehorsefeed.com, I believe that they can uh, do a bit of a a geography search there and find their local distributor. Yep, they sure can. We we add we add all of our dealers up on the on the website on a very regular basis, so it's up to date. Just type in your zip code of where you're at, whether that's where you live or that's where you're traveling to. You can find the local uh, supplier, and they will have it in stock. Fantastic. Well, Russell, thank you very much for your time on the Eventing Radio Show. And as always, uh, these links will be up on our website, uh, so everybody can uh, take a look at your fantastic range online. Thank you. Joining us now on the Eventing Radio Show, it is Australian international eventing writer Kevin McNabb. Kevin, welcome. Thank you very much, Paul. Now, Kevin, you are very well known in the Australian eventing circuit, uh, and you had an absolute and utterly mammoth eventing and equestrian operation in Australia. Um, Now, a lot of our listeners are not necessarily in Australia, and I was going to hazard a guess that you've been out of Australia long enough that some of our Australian uh, listeners may not even uh, be aware of, of what you used to do in Australia. So just throw your mind back and just give us a little bit of an idea of uh, what you were doing when you were in Australia uh, in, in terms of the size and the scale and, and being a professional equestrian and, and event rider there. Well, I did have a – it was quite a, a, a big operation there. It, it – um, took quite a bit of managing. We had oh, 50 to 70 horses in work, which were predominantly sale horses, all eventers. Uh, and so we would 50, always have... Let's just, let's just stop you there, mate. 50 to 70 event horses in work, competing probably, um, and the vast majority of them for sale. Did I, did I get the figures right there? Yeah, yep. It, and it seemed like we had a lot more. <laughs> they were very busy days. <laughs> they they weren't all upper level horses. I mean, most of them were younger horses, and I mean, some of them may not have even got to an event. But that were they were the ones that we liked. They were in and out quickly. But um, yeah, it, it was very busy. So you're saying you most of them for sale. So how many were you trying to sell per year or per week or per day? Was there a quota that you were trying to fill with that sort of quantity of horses in your stables? Uh, no, as many as we could. So as many as you could, we, but we that would, equated we would, we would, to how many? On we, we would like to uh, – I, I, I couldn't give you an average. We just tried to keep ending up in the black each year. Each year. <laughs> okay. You're not, you're going to tell me how many horses you, you were selling a, a week then. I'm, 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 I'm guessing there must have been at least one a week. 
yeah, we did try to sell at least one a week, but it did vary. I mean, different jobs came up and so there might be six, seven horses go one week and then we might have a, a couple of weeks when nothing got sold. But we did try to, to sell something every week if we could. Fair enough. And, uh, you know, 50-odd horses, it can't just been yourself riding that many. No, we always had sort of three or four riders there and uh, we were all busy enough. So three or thereabouts riders. So that's still an awful lot of riding you're doing there and uh, an awful lot of uh, selling and, and an awful lot of travelling around uh, Australia to all of the events. So, you know, you're competing sort of, you know, every single weekend? No, I, w- I would say we would, would have competed three, three weeks out of four and we'd probably once a month we'd duck down Sydney Way and do an event down there or, or twice depending what was on. But three weeks out of four, I would say we were competing. It's very different to what it is over here. Well, that which brings me to my next question. So that that's a, a very different setup, a very Australasian setup. Um, when when was your first trip over to the UK? I actually came in May of two thousand and twelve for three months. I'm still and, here. Um, I was going to say for three, that's a very common uh, story I hear from event riders. So you had a three planning for three months in 2012 and here we are in 2019 and you're still in the UK. So talk us through that process a little bit. It doesn't doesn't sound like being permanently based in the UK, which I suspect you now are, um, was was ever part of the plan. No, it wasn't part of the plan, but I was actually short on horses in Australia that were competing at a decent level. And Emma actually moved over in February because she had a, a very good horse. And so then in May, I, I decided to come over. And once we sort of saw what the calendar was like here, it was very hard to then turn around and, and move back to Australia. So we stayed Indeed, it's like a, a kid in a candy shop, isn't it? When you're an event rider in Australia and you're travelling vast distances uh, to get to uh, competitions which don't happen uh, all that often, you you land yourself in the UK and you can quite literally be competing seven days a week and probably only, I, I, I always say, used to say I got grumpy if I had to drive more than a two-hour radius uh, to, to be able to do that. Whereas in, uh, in Australia, you said you, you mentioned you would duck down to uh, Sydney for some events. Just tell our listeners, you ducked down to Sydney. What sort of a, a trip was that? How many hours? Depending on where it was, it was 12 to 14 hours driving. <laughs> but, I mean, when we came over here originally and, and um, we travelled to a couple of events, which we thought were just down the road, it was five hours. And uh, one of the people I was riding for then said, oh, you're kidding. You're not going to go all that way, are you? And I thought, oh, well, it, it's just down the road. It's only five hours. But I think I've been here for long enough now that, as you say, if it gets past two hours, I'm thinking it's a long way. <laughs> it's amazing how uh, our perspectives change. So just tell our listeners briefly, no more horses in Australia, everything's sold up there and everything's now in the UK? Yeah, everything's over here now. Um, Charlotte Price kept everything running, which she did a great job doing, and she gradually sold off the, the horses that we had left there. But we actually didn't have a lot of horses at that period of time, which did mean it was easier to go away. And she still has um, her own business running there now, um, which we're not involved in. And we've moved everything completely over here now. So uh, a, 
marriage to Emma and a recent uh, fatherhood. So congratulations on all of that. And fast forward then with the horses, how many horses, uh, what's the team of horses look like now? Uh, yes, thank you very much. It's, it's, um, it's very different here though. We would have a very small team of horses, 12 horses, um, competition horses for myself and Emma only has five. And probably that won't ever change much. We have a few more horses in the yard, which are bits and pieces, but yeah, very different. We're not looking to have the same thing that we had in Australia. We're not running a sale yard. Um, We do have some horses that are there for sale, but they're competition horses predominantly now. It's very different, and you said very small, but actually that's not a small yard. So, you know, 12 competition horses for yourself, that's very much uh, a very busy uh, competition yard, and, and five or so for, for Emma. So, you know, 20-odd horses in, in work, it's still it's still a big operation, you go. And so it's only small by comparison to, to what you used to do in, in Australia. I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there. Yeah, but I, I think it over here... I, I don't think we'd even be able to have the number of horses that we had in Australia. It's a lot more labour intensive. You seem like you're busier doing that number of horses here than what we were in Australia doing double that. It's a very different setup. Indeed. Well, Kevin, you've been doing quite well recently as well. You know, like I said, uh, you've you've stole, been able to steal your wife's horses, I think, and uh, that might have uh, boosted your chances in uh, a few events recently. You were over at Mill Street recently. Uh, you had a good show there. You, you had a lorry full. Yeah, no, I did have a good show there, and I, it was momentary, but I have had M's horse for the season, but I wasn't actually allowed to run him in anything terribly fun, so I did three stars on him, not four stars, and I thought if I was going to do three stars, then I might as well do somewhere I could win a little bit of money. So we went over to Ireland and they had a a three-star series there. So we thought we might try and win that. So that's the Horse Sport Ireland International uh, Series, and I think it's uh, promoting the Irish events. And uh, uh, Horse Sport Ireland is the governing body of all equestrian sport in in Ireland. So this is the eventing-specific version that uh, I've just been announced, that you're in an unassailable lead in the series. I think there's a few more competitions still to go, but you've tripped across uh, – you must have your frequent flyer points on the ferry there to, – to get across to Ireland and, and do these three-star competitions. So uh, talk to us. Which ones did you do? I did Kaluki, Campfire, which is also also called Capaquin and Mill Street. And and what, what placings did you get in those three? Uh, I, I was lucky enough to manage three wins. So. Well, that's <laughs> – no wonder you're an unassailable lead. So three wins, you're on fire, and and this is on your wife's horse, you, and and she's not let you go in four star. Presumably that means you're going to have to give it back very soon. That's a bit disappointing. Yeah, I've had my last ride, and with at Mill Street, which I've I've got to say I was only just starting to get to know him. So I would have liked to have kept him a little bit more, but at the same time I'll be very happy to hand him back safe and sound, and hopefully he's happy with the job I've done on him. Indeed, happy wife, happy life. That's how it goes, isn't it, Kev? That's what they tell me. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> That's what they tell you. Yeah, okay. I think you might know that by now. <laughs> so uh, the, the the horse goes back. But um, three wins, very impressive, and uh, a big prize fund put up by Horse Sport Ireland to promote these Irish events. Uh, so, you, you know, I think you've won it last year as well. So you, you, you're guaranteed the win this year, even though it's not finished. And uh, did you win it last year as well, or did you did you compete in it? 
yes, I did last year. It was the first year that they ran it, and I won it then with two firsts and a third. And so I, I did actually, when M said, you know, run him in some three stars, I did straight away think, okay, I'll target those. And they're, and they're also very good events, good ground, good courses. And we would go to those events um, with our good horses. So M was always going to be happy with me taking her good horse there. Fair enough. And uh, so what's on the agenda now for, for Team McNabb? Um, any any major competitions coming up that you're going to continue your winning ways on? Well, I hope so. But, I mean, I've, I have been having a really good season. I haven't been winning quite at the level that I want to yet. But hopefully the, the horses will step up and, and be competitive at the next level as well. I have Blenheim coming up and then Poe. So hopefully they'll go well there. Indeed, four-star and five-star. Four-star at Blenheim, five-star at Poe. So super exciting yeah. to be competitive at that level. Now, I know um, you are probably not a huge fan of social media, Kev, but I know that you know your wife probably uh, keeps the commercial side of things happening as well. So can you sell yourself to our listeners if they want to follow your progress and see whether you're continuing your winning ways at Blenheim at Poe? Are you on social media? Is there a Facebook or an Instagram or a Twitter? Uh, yes, I think that Em does. She does both Instagram. I know she does Facebook and she also does Instagram. And on Facebook, it's called McNabb Eventing. And I actually don't know what it would be called on Instagram. Well, we're going to have it guess. It's going to be McNabb eventing again. But as always, we will have all of the links. We'll source it out for the listeners. We'll find you, and uh, we'll Very put good. the links on the website for everybody. So uh, just head over to our website, and then uh, you'll be able to follow McNabb eventing. Kevin, thank you for coming on the Eventing Radio Show today. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Well, that was a great show. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to all of our guests today. It's a super busy time of year for eventing, so it's fantastic that they all took a little bit of time out of their hectic lives to join us here on the Eventing Radio Show. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Eventing Riders Association of North America podcast. You can learn more about the Eventing Riders Association of North America at the website eraofna.com. We will have all of the links to today's guests and topics on our website, eventingradio.com. Just follow Eventing Radio on Facebook as well. You can search for Eventing Radio Show on Twitter at Eventing Radio. You can listen to us anytime, anywhere with the free Horse Radio Network app. It's on iPhone and Android devices. Just go to your app store and search for Horse Radio Network. And of course, you can also subscribe via iTunes. Thanks for listening.